Before the next episode of XJob Downloaded starts, I have a big favour to ask. If you've enjoyed any of our episodes so far, please can you click on the follow button on your platform. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon and YouTube. It costs nothing to follow, but makes a real difference to me as a podcast producer. Thank you. This interview is being tape recorded. My name is Paul Maleri and this is XJob Downloaded. And today I'm going to interview Jamal Barak. Have I pronounced that correctly? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, Jamal served with the uh, British forces in Afghanistan and came to the United Kingdom um, and he worked hard for the British forces and he's got a hell of a story to tell. So, Jamal, where did it all begin for you? Thank you very much um, for giving me the opportunity. Um, well, um, I was I was quite young. Um, as soon as I turned to 17, I joined the uh, British Armed Forces uh, in Afghanistan in 2008. Um, we were based in Helmand province, um, Afghanistan. Um, so, um, yeah, and then uh, my, my job was basically the uh, doing the translation on the front line um with the british armed forces um and doing uh, a joint um um operations uh, on the ground um and then until the british army left afghanistan so how long had the conflict been taking place before you actually joined the army well uh, the worst moment um the worst year was that in afghanistan that um uh, the British and, and basically NATO and the, the Afghan forces, they have lost quite a lot of people. Um, it was from 2006 till 2014. This was the worst years. Okay. And so how old were you when it all, all began over there? When, when the Yeah, as I said, I was, I was very young. I was very young um, um, when I first join and um and i told like i'm doing the, the, the right thing um basically and i, I and i proud what i did for for the british government and for the afghanistan um i i, I proud i think I, I did something something really really well when you when you were a kid growing up what was that like growing up under the taliban well um I, I haven't grew up in, in Afghanistan. Basically, uh, we were um, uh, refugees in Pakistan uh, until 2006. Um, so when we came to Afghanistan in 2006, I was so young that time. So I used to go to the school and I used to saw the British uh, patrolling in our villages. And basically, we were living close to the military base of the British Army. And I told like, I need to. I need to learn English. I need to be uh, with the British Army one day, and which I did. <laughs> so, what was? But what was that like? You know, the the, the Taliban. Uh, it's now well recognised that Taliban have taken control again of Afghanistan. But your family originally from Afghanistan. They went to Pakistan. Where were you born? I was born in Afghanistan. So I was I was literally two years old when my father left Afghanistan. Um, went to Pakistan, seek refugee there. Uh, we were there until 2006. Um, and then um, when the new government came, 
uh, of President Karzai, uh, basically we returned back to our own country. And what, what was the motivation for your father to take you as a family to Pakistan? Was it purely because of the Taliban? Um, yes, yeah, of course. Um, as far as I remember, uh, and my, my, my father said that um, because the Mujahideen came to Afghanistan and they were killing people, uh, violence and all that. So um, there was no chance for us to leave in Afghanistan. So we left the country and we were out of the country for years and years until 2006. So you come back to into Afghanistan and you decide that you want to be an interpreter. Were you already speaking English at that time? Uh, no, I was. I, I couldn't. I couldn't speak perfect English at that time. I was. I was such a kid that time, and I used to saw uh, the the troops that they are patrolling in the village um, uh, and the front line, and and I had the interest that I need to. I need to learn English. I could, but not as much as as I can now. But yeah, and then I I finally managed. I mean, I remember when I first joined. Uh, we were we went to uh, a place called uh, Musakala, one of the dangerous places in Afghanistan. Um, we were there uh, with I was working there with five Scots um, for about a couple of months, and then we returned back to Combustion. Uh, and from Combustion, we went to Nadali, um, which I was working with one Scot at the time. Um, so yeah, but I, I really enjoyed it. I absolutely enjoyed my my work with with the British. Government. What, but what was that like as a, as a, an Afghani boy that had had they fled the country because of the the troubles? What was that like going back to work within your community? What, how were you received by the Afghani people? Well, uh, it was not it was not an easy job. Uh, we I was I was I was criticised many times by different names. Um, uh, I mean, standing shoulder to shoulder with the Westerns, um, even if they're not uh, your your cultures, even if they're not a similar faith or religion and all that. I mean, standing as such a young boy against your own people uh, and working for the peace and the stability of Afghanistan, um, supporting the the NATO, uh, it was it was not easy job. Um, it was very risky, and that's why um, our families made um, a massive um, sacrifices uh, in in Afghanistan. I lost my older brother, uh, and they shot my other brother fourteen times. They shot me two times. Um, they killed my uncles. So yeah, we 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 managed, and basically, it was not just myself working for the British Army. It was my uh, three of my uncles working in the same military base. My father was a gardener for the British Army in the, in the military base. Uh, it was my other brother was an interpreter who's been shot 14 times. Um, um, yeah, I've been managed to get him out of Afghanistan last year. Um, so most of my family were involved um, with this mission. So what was your actual job? Talk me through what you did on a day-to-day basis with the British Army. Yeah, um, uh, well... Um, um, at the beginning, um, when we were on the front line, uh, basically we used to um, go at the middle of the night, um, taking raids and somewhere where we used to see that the Taliban having activities, basically where the Taliban were hiding, where the Taliban used to leave. Um, so we used to go there. Um, basically, um, if we could have arrest the Taliban, we used to bring them to combustion and detain them there. And and also we were mentoring 
um, the Afghan forces, training them, um, recruiting the Afghan forces. Um, so I did that for a few years. And then after when I got shot in 2010, uh, then I was transferred to back to Lashkagar, where the capital of Helmand is. Yeah. Um, then um, I was moved to the PPSQ uh, and uh, I was working with the most senior British um, um, officers and we were mentoring the intelligence, the counter-tourism and, um, and the police and um, rest of the departments um, until we left Afghanistan. So you'd go out on a raid with the with the troops and you would conduct the you would interpret between the people that have been detained and the troops or the the local residents of whatever village you were going to? How did that um, work? Well, um, it's, it was, it was different. It was totally like, it was different sort of circumstances. I mean, um, if we were um, uh, out on the front line, uh, we used to see the civilians, we used to um, uh, see this, the, the Taliban's that were dressed pretty much semi-civilians, so it was very difficult to recognize them. Um, and um, um, so, yeah, um, and, and we were trying to build um, a very good relationship with the, with the civilians so they can ha- they can help us in, in, because the Taliban used to emplace the, uh, the IEDs. Um, so we were trying to have a good relationship with the locals. Uh, and also we used to um, go to the Afghan military bases and um, to support them with the ammunitions, the weapons, the food, uh, with the money and everything. Um, so uh, this was this was our job on the front line. Uh, and then um, I also worked in um, in the prison. Uh, we were used we, where we used to have the Taliban in in combustion. Um, it was one of the secret place, and um, um, so my job was inside. And basically, we had such a senior Taliban fighters. Uh, were detained with us, and you'd assist in their interviews, or how? Yeah, yeah, interviews, translations, uh, taking them to um, Bagram Airport. Um, used to um, they used to have a lawyers in the UK because um, um, they were such senior and very risky people for the for the um, in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, they used they were they were basically um, detained with us. I, I mean that's interesting. So. You're finishing your duty at the end of the day, and you're going back into where? Where were you living at that time? Oh yeah, uh, my my house was just about two miles away from the uh, British military base in in Lashkagar. Um, so um, end of the day, when my uh, job was finished, I used to travel back to my home home, and um, yeah, I came. Uh, two times under the attack when I was traveling to home. Um, basically, the Taliban, they followed me and um, um, they started firing, but I was so lucky. I ran away. I was I was driving the car. Um, the, the bullets came, hit my car. And then um, I remember it was, a, it, was, it was an evening time when I left the, the army camp and I was, I was traveling home. Um, when I came under the attack, two people were covered and they had um, AK-47s, um, when they when they when they tried to to kill me, but I ran away. Um, but it was good that I immediately 
informed the police officers uh, in that same area and I called the British soldiers over there as well. It was good. Um, and then I was given um, uh, AK-47 the same night for my protection. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a very risky job. So you were armed? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. Armed on duty as well as off duty? Um, I used to bring my, my pistols um, to the um, to the main gate um, when I was leaving, so I have to take it back with myself. Yes, I was I was armed by the by the uh, um, Afghan government because for my safety. And who were you actually working for? Because that's an interesting point. Were you working for the Afghan government or for the British Army? No, for the British Army. No, I was uh, I was working for the British Army, but the reason I was armed because um, I was working with the most senior British. Um, 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 the, the the intelligence and um, the men, police mentoring advisory groups. Um, so, uh, and and our connection was with the senior Afghan um, 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 staff as well. So um, that's why they they um, they they will look after me. Were, were you ever present when the British troops came under attack? Uh, you mean in Combustion? Yeah, in, in back, when you went out on patrol and, you know, did you ever come under fire whilst you were with the British troops? Oh, yeah, yeah, multiple, multiple times, more, more than more than other times, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, in, in 2010, uh, we we flown from Combustion in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock. Um, we went to Nadali when... It was the most most dangerous place. There was no Afghan forces. There were no British or Americans. We went in in the middle of the Taliban, and basically um, we took the net and we, we we basically paid money to the local nationals, and they left the, the house. They made the the, the the house the compound empty for us, and then basically they left. We were there for about a week, uh, and our job was there to um, yeah uh, twenty four hours. We had used to have the shunik. And the um, the helicopters um, flying on top in the sky uh, for protection because we were um, under imminent risk. Um, even during nighttime, we could not take our our body armors uh, because the bullets, the rockets, were coming inside the house. And were you ever there when any British servicemen were killed or uh, wounded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I saw I saw many many British soldiers when we used to go out um, for patrolling. Basically, I was the third person because we were dressed as well as a British soldier. Yes. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, they stick on IDs, blow up, lost their legs and hands. Um, yeah. Oh, very, uh, very that, that's awful. But how? what was the reaction of the the British soldiers to you as an Afghan national? How how were you treated by by them? Well, in Afghanistan, basically, there was no difference between me and uh, as a British soldier. Uh, we both had the same uniform and we both went to the front line for the same target. Uh, and our enemy was the same. Um, and they treated us same as their own soldier. Um, there was no good. Uh, there was no difference, and we felt that uh, we are we are we are we are getting treated in the same way as British soldiers in Afghanistan. But when we came to the UK, we saw a bit of changes. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll come on to, on to that. But how many Jamals are there? How many people were interpreting? How many you know? How many Afghani's were working for the United Nations or for the NATO troops? I should say. 
Um, I mean, in 2000, uh, between 2008 and 2012, um, we almost had 30,000 British troops that were located in Helmand province. So that was the busiest years. And um, um, as far as I know, uh, it was around 3,000 Afghan interpreters were working directly for the British government. Wow. And what's happened to those 3,000 people, Jamal? I mean... How many of them have made their way to the UK? A very, very small am- uh, number amount of numbers of people came to the UK, and uh, some of them they lost their lives. And I know them. Um, I've been, I've been connected. Uh, they, they, they called me. I mean, recently, last week, a friend of mine, he was working with me in Afghanistan. He was killed uh, on his second day of duty. Uh, when ID blew up, um, he was a very young man, he was 18. Um, so his father called me and he said to me, is there any chance you can make any safe way for us to come to the UK? Because he said that we are getting treated by the Taliban because of my son's death for the British Army. So he said, I have no idea what should we do. Um, so, yeah, um, loads of our friends got killed. Um, and... Um, and some of them were, like, for example, terminated, lost their jobs, dismissed. Uh, unfortunately, they all left behind in Afghanistan. Mm. So they only been managed to get a very small amount of number of people to, to the UK. And what are the conditions like now in Afghanistan since the withdrawal of the troops? It is it is a very, it, it's, a, it's a worse situation um, directly uh, right now in Afghanistan. Um I mean, uh, those who worked for the British government, the Taliban, have full um, information about these people. Um, um, they cannot work with the Taliban. They cannot work anywhere, any department, any office, because there's no inclusive government. Um, so, like, see, I can tell you a good example. My, my uncles, they worked from 2006 till 2014. They worked more than me, right? They were chef for the British Army. Um, they leaving in a, in a worse condition at the moment they i'm the one i'm me and my father my brothers here we collect the money and sending them beat them because they cannot work um and the taliban are not giving them a job as well mm. um every time their house is under attack under the search and everything our property we we had a house in lashiga where we build um it's all gone um um like friends of mine, they're always telling that commander of the Taliban that lives in our property. That's it, gone. Everything's gone. That's terrible. And because they've it's, changed the rules around uh, women out there and all the, you know, all the good work that was done, and all the hundreds of people that lost their lives, Afghani, British, American, they lost their lives, is. and 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 everything's been given up. And so, how did you get out of Afghanistan? Thank you. Yeah, uh, just regarding uh, what we said now, I mean, it, it is very, very frustrating. Um, 20 years, uh, um, the British and Americans and Afghan uh, government, they worked together, they made a very big prog- progress and uh, they achieved quite a lot of things. Afghanistan went from zero up to this part. Yeah. Um, but millions of Afghan got killed and 457 British soldiers got killed nearly 27 to 30 billion pounds gone west in Afghanistan 
the tanks, the aircraft, everything is gone. Everything has been handed over uh, in a peace way to the Taliban and they have the control now. And it is, it is, I'm telling now, I, I, I always may declare, it is a massive threat for the Western countries. The Taliban, uh, they're very, they're occupied very strongly. And I'm sure defeating the Taliban now is not an easy, easy job. They're very, very strong. Mm. And, and, and I think this is, this is, this is very risky. And um, so, yeah, uh, uh, coming to your question. Um, so, end of 2014, when um, our last uh, troops uh, left Afghanistan, it was it was combustion because we were pulling out um, and making the transitions uh, from the uh, districts to the um, to combustion. Um, so, um, and then I was offered to come to the UK. Um, there was. Um, um, Basically, the end of 2014, and then on, on, in April 2015, so um, I was I was I was brought to um, to Coventry. Um, so since that last eight years, I've been I've been living in in the UK. Oh, did Did you come out on a military transporter? Um, no. Um, so what happened is um, uh, as soon as. As soon as we we were uh, we were told that you're eligible for relocations to the UK, then um, then we came to Kabul, uh, and then uh, it was a commercial flight, and we came to Dubai from Dubai to here. Um, so it was not a military flight; it was just a commercial flight. So talk me through. You've been shot twice. Talk, yep, me, talk right. me talk me through those incidents. Um. So yeah, it was. Um, so we went somewhere um, and basically um, it was the middle of the night and as soon as we entered to the compound we came, we came under the attack uh, and some of our um, other troops they went to in a different village, um, it's called Shinkalai, it was a very dangerous place. Um, so uh, we came under the, under the attack, uh, we tried to manage, our plan was to get out um, talk to the local local nationals um, and basically see what's their, what, what they're asking for, what sort of help we can give them. This was our plan, but uh, unfortunately we could not open our door to get out. So basically we were on the top of the roofs um, and fighting with the Taliban and um, my job was there to do the translation through the um, ICOM radio, uh, what the Taliban sang and how many casualties they've given, how many people got killed, and what they're saying, how so, what sort of plans they have. So this was my job. I was I was, I was, I was doing the translation. Um, wow. so the Taliban didn't know that we have um, basically got access to their um, um, ICOM radios. Um, and then, yeah, so we were there until mid of the night, and then our other um, um, friends and colleagues that were based in Shinkalai, um, they were came under the heavy attack and they finally managed to get themselves out um came in the middle of the night they could not come in in the in the, in the tanks or um to um through the air basically they um left in the middle of the night and they came back um um two to three hours special and uh, managed to get our property to our compound it was just a about four four bedroom house and we were there about 150 soldiers in 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 three bedroom house. Wow. And, and what yeah. reg regiment were you with then? Sorry? What regiment were you with? That was, that was one Scott one Scott Guards. 
So yeah, and um, and you got shot. Where where were you shot? Um, so and then we the next day. Um, so we we were quite a lot. So we planned to we need to get out the, this compound and we need to go around the village and see what's going on. Um, so as soon as we opened the door, um, as soon as we opened the door, um, our the guy um, I think as far as I remember his name was Sergeant Smart. As soon as he stepped outside, he's got shot in the leg um, by this sniper. Um, so we came back again here, uh, and, and then after a few minutes, we tried to get out again. We went around the compounds. Some of those went to the left and right. Um, so we we start we get, we came under the ambush attack. So we were fighting from nine till four in the afternoon. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and I used to saw the the. Um, they were dropping the the plums and I everything on the top of the Taliban's. Um, I used to saw the Taliban's in my face, like um, covering their faces, and got AK forty seven and machine guns and everything. So at four o'clock, um, I remember um, I got really tired and there was no water, nothing. So I just sit, and as soon as I sit down, they fired. So uh, rest of the bullets came, <coughs> sorry, to my chest where the protected by the uh the body armor but mm-hmm. the other one came on my where the breast is um came here and went and i met off the back and the other one went in my right arm and went to this side um and then i was there for another three hours because they're not they couldn't they could not pick me up to take me to the compound so i was three hours on the floor bleeding heavy um and uh and then after that um i, I don't know what happened because i went down uh lost too much bloods and then after three days, uh, yeah, after three days, I realised I was in the hospital when I opened my eyes. Wow! How lucky are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very lucky. So y- y- you've you've been evacuated back to the hospital. The the Scots Guards have got you into um, into the hospital, and um, yeah, you're seen by the best medical practitioners in the world. I mean, if they can if they can save people's lives, they they will. And um, They've been successful many times, I'm pleased to say. Um, but what was that like, being in a, a military hospital? Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing was like very, uh, very bad, bad moments that I was I was I was inside the compound and I was I was feeling like really really hot and it was I was bleeding very heavy and I asked them say like how long we to stay in this floor. I mean, when are you going to take me to combustion? They said the problem is that we've got the the Shunak helicopter and it's not it's, it's very difficult to land to pick you up because the Taliban is going to shoot it. Mm. So they said um, for security we need to have three to four um, patrolling around uh, and and there so we can pick you up. And then yeah, after after a few hours they managed to get me out of the compound um, and then took me to combustion. Combustion was very a uh, very big hospital and uh, we used to have um, high qualified doctors and everything uh, and they yeah they treated me really well and then I was there for about few months in the um, um, in, in combustion for so I can I can walk properly and then I came back to Lashkiga and then I started working uh, back again and then um, yeah and then but I used to go again to the front line but not as much as I I was before. Most of the times, I was inside the um, the PPHQ. Um, um, yeah. So you're now 
in the UK and you've been through some horrendous times out in Afghanistan. You fought alongside the British soldiers. You've done your part for the Queen and country as it was then. Tell me what your experience has been like since you've arrived in the UK. Um, thank you. Yeah, it was it was very, very hard when I first came to the UK. Um, um, as the first thing is uh, closures and basically colour of my skin. And it was just myself and I was so young as well. Um, it was just myself, nobody else. Um, it was difficult at the beginning uh, few, for the first few years. Uh, and then it took me a while to settle down um and um but yeah i mean the main thing was that i was i was safe that was that was very important to me mm. um rather than being in afghanistan being killed by the taliban i think i was i was i was more happy here um and then in in 2021 when the taliban came to the country then i was more concerned for my family and then I had to fight um, with the MOD um, to get on my diet because they said, oh, your father cannot come to the UK because he was not interpreted. And I said, it does not matter because he was he was, a, he was a gardener. Yeah, he was working for you. You were paying them and they were working inside the military base. Mm. So there's no, there's absolutely no distinction for the Taliban. If you were a chef, interpreter, they, they, they will, they will, they will all, everybody's same for the Taliban. But yeah, I mean, thanks God, so many British military officers they helped me, and then they they managed to get on my mom and dad um, um, to Pakistan, and then they came from Pakistan to the UK. Oh, so your your parents are here now? Yeah, yeah, they they went to Kabul uh, on the on the twenty third of August, but they they could not manage to get out of the country because that was the last flight, and then they were left hopeless. Uh, and then after 10 days, they managed to get out uh, um, illegally to, to Pakistan and then went to the British embassy and then they, they, they've been managed to get them out. I mean, that must have been quite scary in itself, the fact that they've been left there, they're watching the last plane take off, people literally clinging to the aircraft to try and go with it. Yeah, that must have been absolutely horrendous and scary for you as well because you don't know what their fate looks like because you do know that, the Taliban are butchers. At the end of the day, doesn't they, they? They don't show mercy. They might put a public persona out there that they're not bad, they're not hurting people, but the fact is they really are. And I, I assume that you could never go back to Afghanistan under a Taliban regime. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember on the twenty third of August when when I was told by the Ministry of Defence that um, to tell your father to come to the airport. So I immediately told my father um, and my four young little brothers with my mum to leave the home and get out of Helmand. So they've been managed to come through the road for travelling for about 10 or 11 hours to Kabul and went to the massive crowd where the thousands of people was there. And then... um, uh, um, but I was I was I was told by the British soldiers they were on the front line and, and, and in the airport. So they were telling me to tell your father to go to which door and which gate. Um so they they attempted to go to the, the right place um until the twenty seventh. 
but they were they were filled every time because they were stopped by the Taliban and they did not allow to go inside um, uh, without food and everything and without without sleeping for about three to four days. Wow. Um, they were they were trapped in the airport. Um, they they couldn't do anything. And then uh, in the same moment where 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 there was a I'm not too sure if you were that there was a there was a suicide where they killed many many civilians and Americans. Yeah, my father was in the same place. The good thing is, I was, I, I was, I was received a message by a British soldier through the through my WhatsApp and say, Jamal. Uh, firstly, he said to me, "Well, yeah," he said to me, Where, "Where's your daughter?" And I said, "He's in uh, Abbeygate," and he said, "Tell him to get out from there because we have got information that they were going to be a suicide." So as soon as I took my my daughter and I said, "Get out from there," the next minute he messaged me. He said, "I hope your daughter's okay because we heard the bank." And then I called my father. He said he was just literally about 10 meters away from us. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the devastation that the suicide bombers caused could never be underestimated. It was absolutely horrendous. So you're now in a um, a standoff, I suppose, with the, with the British military in relation to compensation for the injuries that you gained out in Afghanistan. Now, yeah, British soldiers. What, you talk talk me through it. You tell me what what happens ordinarily. It is, it is very very uh, frustrating. Uh, uh, as I said, the British government, especially the um, the, the Ministry of Defence, they 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 they're treating us different to their soldiers. Um, I know the soldiers. They were injured with me. They got they've been paid their compensations. But myself, um, it's been a four years. I haven't worked, and I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been under the treatment because the bullet went in my spine that has, has damaged and broken the three ribs. Um, um, so it's been a long time. I haven't worked, and I've been under the treatment. Um, so I was received an email yesterday directly from the Ministry of Defence, and. It's telling me that we have assisted your case and you don't have a permanent disability. So in that case, we cannot pay you money. If it gets worse, then we are more than happy to assist your case. I mean, forget about uh, getting worse or how I'm feeling now. Um, so how come for the last four years or five years I've been taking medication? So I'm taking the medication for, that's why I provided the medical evidence yeah. to 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 see that two two years ago I was taking this medication. Why I was taking the medication? So that's why I was taking the medication because for the pain, I've got chronic pain. Um, so they said, no, sorry, you're not eligible. But it, but British service personnel have have been paid out and was, and you've but you've got some high profile support, haven't you, in the form of Lord Dannett. Yeah, he's a he's very he's a very he's a he's a he's absolutely a great leader. Yes, he is. He had a couple of people like him uh, who could have supported the Afghan interpreters. Um, so yeah, he 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 promised me that um, um, he's going to try his best, and I hope um, he's going to do something for me. And because he, I, I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times because he was. Um in charge of the Tower of London. And, um, you know, he's a very, very nice person and works hard for 
all people involved in conflict who have worked alongside the British Army. So what does the future look like now for Jamal? Well, I mean, I I absolutely don't know what's going to happen. Um, as you know, um, returning back to Afghanistan, there would be no chance. Um, and um, and uh, it is it is very clear that um, Afghanistan has been captured by by the Taliban, and it is not easy to. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no chance, and we we the future of Afghanistan seems to be darkest. There's no future for the young people, and for the, for those who hope in the future, there's absolutely nothing. Um, and the, the great thing is that I'm I'm in this country now, and I hope I can spend the rest of my life here, and and I'm and I'm hoping that. As soon as I get my British passport, I'm I'm more than happy to go join again the British Army. This is what this is my biggest hope again. Well, I wish you every success, young man. I hope that that uh, comes to fruition for you. I'm very grateful for your time today, and we have a. It's this is probably wasted on you. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but in in the olden days, we used to say to people, "Is there anything you'd like to add, alter, or correct in relation to what you've said today?" Um, but I'll give you that opportunity. Thank you. No, Paul, it was very nice to talk to you today. And I, I appreciate that. We have such a lovely people who still cares about us. Thank you for everything. Um, um, so I think that was pretty much everything um, we talked about it. But I'm, I'm ready anytime. Just just feel free and let me know whenever you're willing to talk to me. Um, I'm more than happy to talk. Brilliant. Well, look, can you please keep me updated as to your progress and um, hopefully you can get everything resolved. I wish you and your family well and I'm grateful for your service, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time as well and I'm looking forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you very much. You have a lovely day. Take care. God bless me. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir.